Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qalam Podcast Hurdle Series, a study of Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin by Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. Jazakallah khair for your continued support, and we pray that this is beneficial. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamur rahimin. Oh Allah, we ask you for your love, ya Allah. We ask you for the love of those actions that will gain your love. And we ask you, ya arhamur rahimin, for the love of the people that you love. Um, Jazakumullah khair everyone for joining us for this, uh, this new series that we're starting. And I want to first show a lot of love. Uh, to a few of the brothers that kept coming after me like, yo, when's the next series going to drop? Alhamdulillah. Um, you know, uh, I was recovering from an injury. And um, uh, I had surgery. And alhamdulillah, doing a lot better now. Alhamdulillah. But um, it's just a blessing that Allah allows us to be in each other's company. Um, there's so much benefit we gain from coming to gatherings like this. And I'm extremely excited about the new series that we're starting, Hurdles. Um, I know a lot of people are like, yo, what is this about? What is Hurdles about? And uh, I'm going to get straight into it, inshallah. We don't need no introduction, just straight into what's going on, inshallah. Uh, Imam Ghazali. Imam Ghazali is one of the greatest scholars that our ummah has ever had. His nickname was Hujjatul Islam, like the proof of Islam. Meaning like some scholars were like, since he's Muslim, that's a proof we're on the right track. Like that's how intelligent and endowed this man was. He was the one that scholars used to come to his gatherings and sit in his gathering, right? Extremely intelligent. And uh, when he was a young boy, his dad passed away. But his dad left a, 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 a will that, to his older brother that makes sure Muhammad goes to maktab, goes to study and learn how to read Quran and learn all of these things. Make sure he goes to do that. And he sure enough sent him and he just began to excel. And before you know it, everyone in the city around him, he had learned from all of those scholars and there was nothing more that he could learn. He was, it was still a very young age. So he traveled outside of his city and he went to study under Imam al-Haramain, Imam Juwaini, who was an amazing scholar at his time. And he was just blessed to have his company. And he just kept going and kept going and kept going. And there's so many stories, but by the age of 35, he was sitting at the highest teaching position in the Islamic dynasty. There was no higher position. He was the head lecturer. And when he sat down to speak, I mean, scholars all came out to listen. And he was authoring books on every single topic you could imagine. From logic to philosophy to kalam to fiqh. You name it, he was authoring books in all of these diverse fields. And so he has this job as the, as the top head of, of teaching. And it's funny because anyone who met him one-to-one, -one, you know what they said about him? He was the worst person to be with. Yeah, that, that like hits you like, what? They didn't say he had the best character. They were like, I hate it being around him. And the reason was he had the knowledge, but the knowledge had not materialized into changing who he was as a human being. And so he's teaching and teaching and teaching. And after about three or four years, he, he, he stops teaching and he goes missing. He's like gone. And he actually says, he actually says, he's like, 
I, I, I realized how bad I was as a human being. I was teaching all of this stuff. I knew the hadith. I knew the Quran. I knew all the lessons. You quote it, I know it. But my character hadn't changed at all. I was, I was the worst person that I could be. More knowledge just made me more arrogant. And he said, it just, it dawned on me, like, I can't keep going on like this. I can't. And so he's like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm too known. I can't do it. I got to leave. But it was too good. He couldn't, he couldn't separate from the position that he had. And he said, one day I went to teach and there's, there's hundreds of people in my dars in my class. And all of a sudden I couldn't speak. I just couldn't talk. And everyone's like, oh, something's wrong with the shake today. He's going home. He's day off. Well, day off became 10 years off. He dipped. He told his family, I'm going for Hajj. Maybe that'll make me better. He didn't go for Hajj. He went for Hajj and then he went on somewhere else and he just left. And it was in that time, in the, in the, in the, under the cloth of secrecy, of being unknown, that he was able to rediscover who he was. And when he came back out of like being gone for so long, he came back a completely changed person. And word spread. They were like, yo, Ghazali, he changed. And obviously, people love to see when you change. I remember when I became Muslim, they're like, yo, Mike's wearing dresses now, yo. <laughs> like, yo, legit, he's rocking dresses. Everyone's like, no, nah, not Mike. They're like, word, check him out. Sisters are like, yo, he won't even look at you. They're like, yeah, right. Let's go see if he changed. So they're coming from all around to see if change had actually happened. And they were like, he was a completely different human being. He was a completely different person. And it was at that time that he came with a book that you may have heard of called Ihya Illumadeen. It's one of the most transformative books. But he had haters, yo. He had major haters. And I'm not going to go too deep because I want to study this book, but you got to know who it is. See, in this halakha, this Wednesday night halakha, all the way back from Arlington, where my Arlington head's at. There you go. That's what's up. So way back, we studied different scholars. We studied Sheikh Ahmed Dubamba, rahimahullah. We studied the works of uh, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, rahimahullah. But now I'm like, yo, it's, it's about time that the, the young people at Dallas get a taste of Imam Ghazali. He came back with Ihya al-Madin, and there were haters left and right. Do you know why there were haters? Because he came and he was calling scholars out, because he was one of them. So he's writing, like, we got to fix ourselves, we got to fix ourselves. Long story short, Imam Ghazali comes back. He lives a fruitful life. So many people benefit from him. He only lives 55 years. Life ain't long, y'all, and we're going to talk about that right now. He lives 55 years, and towards the end of his life, we're going to read about this right now. Towards the end of his life, his students were like, Sheikh, we need you to drop one more book. Your books are very high level. They're for the elite. Like if you read el Medin, you're going to get like three pages in and be like, yo, this is tough. So they were like, Sheikh, we need something like, we need something that, that, that everyone can digest. So it, Imam, he says that, um, I'm just going to read what he said. Should we start the book? Oh, y'all ain't even ready, yo. 
We're going to start, inshallah. Bismillah, inshallah. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he begins his book. And he says, he begins by praising Allah. Everything begins with the praise of Allah. He says, Alhamdulillah, Malik al-Hakim. All praise to Allah, the King, the All-Wise, Al-Jawad al-Kareem, the Generous, the Noble, Al-Aziz al-Rahim, the Almighty, and the Most Merciful. The one who created the heavens and earth from nothing. And, listen closely, وَخَلَقَ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ لِعِبَادَتِهِ And he created me and you for one reason, to worship him. I need you to understand that the beauty of this entire creation, everything you see, the beauty within you, the intricacies of who you are as a human being, all of that is so that you could know him, love him, and worship him. And for that to become your true identity, for that to become truly who you are, you are a servant of God. After every other title, after every other thing you put before or after your name, your deepest identity, our deepest identity. And you know why identity is so important? Because, because you won't change behavior until you change identity. You won't change behavior. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I slip up, but that's not my identity. My identity, I submit to Allah. Oh, but I saw you the other day at such and such. Oh, yeah, I slipped up, but that's not who I am. So the core is identity, identity, identity. So look what he says. He created the jinn and the ensli ibadatihi. He created us for his worship. Listen to what he says. He says, the path to God, the path to God is clear for those who want to seek it. For those who truly want God, for those who truly want Allah in the hearts of hearts, in the soul of souls, those who desire Allah, the path is clear. But you got to want it. You got to want Allah. You got to want the deen. You got to want that relationship. He says the, the, the pathway is clear. And then he says, And all of the proofs about who God is, he says the signposts guiding towards God are clear for those who just look. How many times in this halakha have we said, just learn to look about you, look around you, and see the signs of God. Look around you, see everything that is so amazing, reminding you uh, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. But he says, Not everyone sees the way and not everyone takes the path. He says, He says, listen, oh brothers, he wasn't woke to what we woke to, so I'll say brothers and sisters, right? He says, Oh brothers and sisters, listen to me. May Allah bless you and be pleased with you. Ameen. He says, That it's worship, which is the fruit of knowledge. Worship is the purpose of life. Worship is what the servant is supposed to gain. Worship, he says, is the pathway of the strong. Worship of God is everything. And he says, listen, this is key for the rest of this series. He says, وَهِيَ سَبِيلُ سَعَادَ وَمِنْحَاجُ الْجَنَّةِ he says, and worship is the pathway to felicity, the pathway to eternal happiness 
and Minhajul Jannah. It's the pathway to Jannah. The name of the book, y'all, is Minhajul Abidin, the way of the worshiper. And what he says, I'm going to read it in the middle, in, in, in a minute. He goes, listen, the only way for me and you to gain Jannah is through Ibadah, worship of God. That's what it's all about. Allah created us to worship him. But what he realized, he's like, worship is like, oh, worship God more. That's just like saying, oh, just lose weight, get in shape. It's so abstract. We're kind of like, all right, can you give me a little like routine? Can you give me a, a regimen? So he says, first thing you need to understand is that the pathway, this pathway that you got to walk on to gain the pleasure of God, to go back home, actually. We're trying to get home, y'all, because this ain't it. This ain't it. And if you still think this is it, you probably ain't just lived a little uh, enough. Maybe hit 18, 19, 20. What'd you say, Hatham? 22? 30? If you still think this is it, nah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, no, you got to get through this to get to the real, to get home. But he says that this path that we're on, this path, the way is ibadah. But hold up. Look what he says next. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am your Lord, worship me. And Allah says in another verse, a person gets into Jannah. They're looking at the houses. They're looking at the family. They're looking at the rivers. They're looking at all that Allah has blessed them. And the angels go, This is your reward right here. And all your efforts have been appreciated. Not one thing that you did, not one struggle that you went through went unappreciated. Allah appreciated it all. But look what he says. And this is what I love. I'm telling you, this is his last book. And a person that has written hundreds of books on every topic, years before he dies, he writes you one last book. That book is going to be everything, the, the core of every teaching. He's like, I got you. Look what he says. He goes, and then I started to look at this path. What path is this, y'all? Y'all ain't even feeling me yet. We had too long of a break, yo. Abdurrahman, it was too long. If that, something happened, yo. What path is this? And what is the path? Ibadah. He says, He goes, then I started to, to look at this path. And this halakha, one thing, I keep it real. Because the more we are real about this path that we're on, the more we're ready for what it takes to cross it, to stay on it. So what does he say? Then we looked at this path of ibadah. And we studied how to do it from the beginning to the end. And he says, he keeps it real. He goes, He says, it's a rugged path. It's a rugged path. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's been too long people telling us it's going to be easy to be a Muslim. It's going to be easy to be on the path. It's not going to be easy. There is going to be struggle. And I know some of y'all like, oh, it's halakas like that. I'm out. Okay, cool. But you got to know what's, it's not him just telling us that it's difficult. He's telling us it's difficult, but he's giving us the way to pass it. But it's about telling me what's in front of me. It's about keeping it real about what's on this path. So what does he say? He goes, 
he goes, uh, subhanAllah, he goes, it's a rugged path. It's a rugged path. What does he say next? Sabilun sa'abun. It's a hard way to walk. Kabiratul aqabat. The valleys are deep. The difficulty is immense. What else? Ba'idatul musafat. The distance you got to travel on this path is very long. The distance is long. Wa'adhimatul afat. And the difficulties are so many. But look what he says next. Y'all ready for the mic drop? He says, But this is the way the path is supposed to be. Hold up. He didn't say, oh, it's supposed to be easy. Yeah, but it's hard. He goes, He's like, the path is supposed to be like this. Why? Because what are you actually striving for? It's the way to Jannah. Did you expect that to be cheap? Your mahar is like 30 grand. You want Jannah cheap? Yeah. Now y'all woke. Mahar like 30 grand, but Jannah's supposed to be cheap. cheap. Alhamdulillah. No, subhanAllah. لِأَنَّهَا تَرِيقُ الْجَنَّةِ فَيَسِيرُ هَذَا تَسْدِيقًا He goes, the fact that this, this journey is difficult... It, it, it solidifies what the Prophet ﷺ said. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Jannah is surrounded by difficulty. Let's break this down. The Prophet ﷺ, he said to us in a very clear hadith, he said that when God created heaven, when God created heaven, he told Gabriel to go see it. Go see what's in Jannah. See what it's like. And Gabriel went, this archangel of God went to see Jannah. And he saw the beauty of it. He saw amazing what the pleasures that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no heart has even thought about. And he came back to Allah and Allah said to him, this is a hadith of Rasul. What did you think of it? He said, anybody who hears about this, they won't leave a stone unturned trying to get it. But then he said, I want you to go back now. And the Prophet said, but now Jannah had been surrounded by prayer, by fasting, by charity, by tahajjud, by all these difficulties. And now Gabriel arrives and sees that the way into Jannah is surrounded by struggle. And he comes back and he says, I don't know how many of them are going to make it through. He thinks his journey is over. God says, hold on, I got something else for you to see. I want you to go see Jahannam now. So Gabriel, the archangel, goes to Jahannam and he sees the punishments and the horrible things we described in the journey series. All of the things of Jahannam, he sees it straightforward. And he says, oh Allah, anybody that hears about this, there's no way they're ever going to end up in this place. And he goes, okay, I want you to go back. And now it's surrounded by zina, by ease, by comfort. No prayer, no nothing. Just live your truth. It's surrounded by ease. Nothing hard. And when he comes back, when he comes back, he says, 
I don't know how many people are not going to end up there. Listen, we got to talk about this for a minute. The misconception is that Shaitan tells us that life would be easier without these rules. Shaitan tells you life would be easier without Fajr, yo. Just wake up, nine, nine o'clock, turn your coffee joint on, go to sleep whatever time, watch whatever you want, look at whatever you want. Don't lower your gaze. You don't got to do that. Life is already hard. Why make it harder with what God tells you to do? The misconception is Shaitan is telling you life will be easier without listening to the one who created you and listening to what he's telling you is good for you. Lowering your gaze. I'll use an example. Lowering your gaze from haram. Imam Ghazali, see, subhanAllah, the way the hadith explains it is that the ease is the external, the hardship is in the middle. So if you just dig a little deeper on the haram, you'll realize how painful it is to your soul. And if you just dig a little deeper on the good things, you'll realize how beneficial it is to who you are. Like lowering the gaze. I'll just give an example. Lowering the gaze is difficult. Lowering the gaze is hard. You got to fight the nafs. Your nafs says, look, why not? But you remember what Allah says, and so you lower your gaze. But that's difficult. That's hard to do. Wouldn't it be a lot easier for me just to let myself look at everything? Imam Ghazali says, no, you're a fool. He says, the one who looks at everything drives themselves insane because they see so much that they can't have. And they put themselves through constant adab, constant punishment. Whereas the one who lowers their gaze builds a level of contentment like none other. I'm just using this as a case, like just an example that shaitan tells you it would be easier had the rules not been there. But Allah says, no, Allah is like, I'm trying to make this already difficult test, life, a little easier for you. So what does he say? He says, this path that we're on, y'all, is a rugged path. It's going to be difficult. And it's surrounded by hardship. Surrounded by hardship. And the other side? The fire of hell is surrounded by ease. It's easy. Short-term easy, not long-term. Short-term ease, not long-term. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Jannah is on a hill, but it's rugged on the way up. And Jahannam is at the bottom of a hill, it's smooth sailing down. Allah protect us. But look what he says next. Yo, we could get through this, y'all. See, it's not about demoralizing us. For me, it's like, yo, it's keeping it real with what the challenges are and allowing us to stand up to the difficulty that's there. Let's keep going. He says, He says, now on top of that, that the fact that Jannah is, is hard. It's hard to get there. He goes, on top of that, We're weak. We're weak. Time is difficult. We live in hard times. Millions of truths. Dozens of genders. Too many identities. We live in tough times. Just if you don't even put he or, sure, he or she, him or her on your pronouns, you already got issues at work. 
I ain't even do nothing. I ain't even pray in front of y'all. He says, he says, what zaman sa'abun? Time is hard. At his time, look at us. What amr al-din And he says at his time, and religious, religion is being pushed away. Bruh, what you talking about? Like, <laughs> Yo, the Prophet Sallallahu he said, he said, there will come a time. There's a time now if you don't act on to the Sahaba. He said, if you don't act on one-tenth, it may land you in hell. There will come a time where if they only acted on one-tenth, they'll be in the castles of Jannah. It's difficult, y'all. But you got to be on the path, though. You got to, yo, when I, when I used to run, I don't run that much. I'm going to run, inshallah. Like, yo, last year I was all like, yeah, marathons, marathons. Now I'm like, uh, yeah, I ain't running in a while. I can't be using marathons as a thing. I'm going to be back, though. Yo, but they taught me. They were like, no matter what, you just keep moving. My man Yezin, where he's here somewhere, he would just be like, keep moving, keep moving. Stop, you can't walk. Keep moving. I don't care when you finish, but just don't walk. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. So he says, Dean is being pushed away. Well, And there's, no, there's not a lot of helpers now either. Everyone wants to kick us when we're down. They want to keep us away. There's so much to do. And what does he say? And time is short. Life is short, y'all. The journey is far. And guess what? Pay close attention. He says, but obedience and worship is the provision that you need on this journey. There's no going back when we, when we move forward. The only thing you could take with you, I want to share a hadith with you, that there are three things that come with you to the grave. Now, I love, I love talking about death, y'all. Not because I'm like some morbid, like, emo dude. Nah, yo. You're going to have to edit this stuff, yo. <laughs> nah, I'm not. It's not, I don't love morbid stuff. I love talking about the grave because it inspires me. One of the things I highly recommend everybody do. You ready? Highly recommend. Write your eulogy right now. Write your eulogy. What's a eulogy? It's what people say about you when you're dead. Write that right now. Write that. Tonight, write it. What will they remember you as? I did this the other day and it changed my perspective. It changed me completely. You know why? Because that's who your true identity is. And whenever there's actions don't match that eulogy, there's a dissonance. And when that dissonance is there, you start to feel anxious, like something's missing. It's because that identity isn't being lived up to. So I speak about death all the time because my Habib Sallallahu taught me that the thing that will make life easy for you is remember your eulogy. What do you want them to say about you? She used to always fast Mondays and Thursdays. Man, she was always like helping people. Man, he was always at Fajr. <clears throat> Man, he was always learning knowledge. Man, he was always reading Quran. What do you want to be remembered by? Have you given thought to that? Or are we letting social media dictate my goals? Are we letting other people tell me what I'm going to live up to? He's telling us right now that you're on this journey. There's no going back. And the only thing that you need, the hadith says, three things come to your grave. Two of them go back. One stays with you. What is it? Your friends and your money goes to the grave with you. 
and your actions. Actions stay, everybody else dips. Everybody else dips eventually. They may stay a little longer than others, but everybody else dips. Money goes back, friends go back. The only thing that stays is actions. What he's trying to say is, y'all, there's a journey in front of us. I realized that I needed to write this final book to help people. So I needed to let y'all know that we're on this journey and we need actions to be on this journey. Good deeds. Look what else, what, look what else he says. He goes, basir. He goes, and there's a lot of haters on this journey too. He's like, if you miss good deeds, we're destroyed. Straight up. If we don't have good deeds, we're done on the day of judgment. So he goes, this has made the situation serious. This has made the situation serious. What are we going to do? Life is short. Only thing that goes with me is my deeds. What am I supposed to do? I'm in a predicament. He goes, He goes, man, everything I just said is why so many people aren't on the, on the path. Aren't on the path. Yo, listen. I converted at the age of 18. He's saying there's so many people that don't walk this path. They don't want to think about the end of life, what comes next. They don't want to start walking down this path because it's a difficult path. It's a path of giving up drugs, giving up alcohol, giving up clubbing, giving up doing what I want to do and becoming a servant of God. So he goes, very seldom, very few people say, you know what, let me sign up for the marathon. Very few. Very few. Then he says, and even less, and even less, keep going. Hold up, y'all. Look at yourself, man. Would you, where, look where you came from. Would you imagine being at a holocaust on a Wednesday night, 7.30? I look where I came from. I couldn't imagine Allah would allow me to be blessed to be on this path, learning about how to get his pleasure on a Wednesday night, 7.30, just trying to learn how to stay on the path. The fact that we're here is proof that Allah wants us to keep going. Where were you before? Look where you are now and be grateful for that. So he says, I'm going to continue. He goes, Nam. Yep. Like, he's just like facts. Yep. <laughs> Since the path is just the way I explained, he's like, I looked closely. Now, I want to say something. You don't have to be a trailblazer in Islam, yo. You don't got to be the first to do nothing here. You just got to follow the track. You know, I grew up in Buffalo. I told you this before. I grew up in Buffalo. We used to get snow. I know I sound like an old man. We used to get snow up to here. <laughs> but like legit, like, <laughs> like legit four feet, like legit four feet. And when you walk into school in snow, you know what you do, right? You just step in the tracks of the one before you. You just step in the tracks of the one before you. We don't have to be trailblazers. Imam Ghazali and other scholars have laid out, I'm telling you the path is hard, but I got you. I'm going to tell you what to do step by step. If you just listen and you act upon it, because knowledge isn't enough, you got to implement it. If you just listen and act upon it, walk in those steps of those before you, you will get to the destination. You're going to get to school before that bell rings. And get you get that late ticket, whatever. He goes, look what he says. 
I'm hyped, y'all. I'm sorry, but I miss y'all, yo, for real. He goes, I looked at it and I looked closely. How can we get past this, 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 this path? And what do we need? What equipment do we need? What preparation and what plans and plots do we need to get there? That perhaps through all of our preparation, Allah will give us the ability to make it. I mean, he goes, so I wrote some books. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't say it the way I'm about to say it. He goes, I wrote some books, but they were too deep for people. And I got a lot of haters because I wrote these really deep books. So people said to me, He goes, I'm about to leave the world. I'm tired of writing books for the ivory tower, the ivory castle. I'm going to write books for the average person. And that's why I chose this book. This book will be perfect for our journey. But we got to act on it. So he goes, so I lifted up my hands and I made dua to Allah. That, oh Allah, inspire me, help me. And this is one thing I want to stop right here. Stop trying to solve your problems by yourself. You got to lift up your hands, yo. Stop. How long will it take for God to teach you, I'm here for you? He needs to write this book. He's in the last years of his life. He's written the most amazing books. If anyone thinks they can do it on their own, it's him. But he goes, no. I just was like, ya Allah. Help me write something that will be beneficial to the average person. And here we are, 900 laters, sitting here reading the words. So the lesson I have from this is like, stop. Learn to let go. Learn when to let go and let God. He's like, I opened my heart to the one who controls everything. To give me tawfiq, the ability to write something that everyone could benefit from. And then he says, he answered me. Who? The one who answers, the one who implores God. See, we too polite, y'all. We, we became so polite that in dua we polite too. Ya Allah, please. Please. No. Yajibun muhtar, muhtar. Is, is, is like, Ya Allah, please give me this, Ya Allah. We're too polite. Open the heart up before God. That's the sunnah of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi He says, and Allah opened my mind to something deep. He gave me this order of a book that I've never seen before. Now, he's not claiming like some crazy stuff, y'all. He's not claiming like some, some like bidda stuff. He's just saying, I wanted to write this book and I made dua and when I, I, I had a dream, the order of this book was just, I have never seen the order of it. And he goes, so I started to write and I started to put it together and I'm going to begin the book for you. Okay. So, okay, why is it called hurdles? Time out, time out, time out. Time out. Why, is the, 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 why are we calling it hurdles? Because Imam Ghazali, what he saw was, we're on this path, y'all. We're trying to get home. And he said, but on this path, there's, there's things you got to climb over. 
There's things you got to get past. And he mentions seven hurdles. It's so, it's so smooth. Seven hurdles that if you get over these things, you're there, you're good. And so that's the order of the book. And we're going to be going through each of those hurdles. And you, all you got to do is listen and act upon what we learn. And you'll see this clarity. So let's keep going. He says, Listen, he goes, and if you've experienced this, you don't got to say it loud to flex. If you have experienced this just in your heart, say Alhamdulillah. He says the very first thing that will happen within you when it's time to take this journey is you will start to get divinely inspired thoughts about life and your journey before you. For me, I was 18. Just graduated high school. Parents like, you better fill out your applications and stuff, you know what I mean? What are you gonna do with your life? And it's just like these thoughts started coming. What is life about, man? Why am I here? I don't want the picket fence and, picket fence and a dog and I don't want it. I wanna know why I'm here. Non-Muslim, I wanna know why I'm here. Christianity ain't even making sense to me. Three, one, one, three, I don't get that. He says the very first thing that will happen within you, and that's why I said, if you already got this, which why you here probably, right? But if you already got this, say alhamdulillah. He says, you will notice within you, yataharak, it's going to shake within you these thoughts that can only come from God. And that's why, yo, some people, like, they have these complexes when they see so many non-Muslims that are on the path, and they're like, yeah, but they don't know. And I'm like, some people ignore that thought when it comes. That thought about what, what's, what's life about, where I'm going. You got it when you was about to go into, you know when it normally hits us, y'all? Transitions. Transitions. When you're in, like, undergrad, you got so many deadlines, you can't think. That's why some of y'all working on your like fifth major, fifth like the PhD. Cause you don't even want to really think about life, yo, low key. So just keep the degrees coming, yo. Homework keeps me busy, yo. Career students up in here. Huh? Yeah, straight up. Because in those moments, those pauses, you're forced to think of where I'm truly headed towards. Not the micro, the macro. What's my life about? What's my identity about? And every now and then, because you're a Muslim, you'll walk into the khutbah and the imam will drop it on you. And you'll be like, oh, wow, subhanAllah. So he says, look what he says. In the awwala, the very first thing that's going to happen to you. Within the servant. Yataharak. Something will, will shake within you. To start this journey are divine thoughts. They only come from Allah. And there's a verse that, that, that Allah talks about, that Allah tells us in Surah Zumar. Is the one who God has opened their chest for Islam and they walk on the light of God. Are they like the one who is lost? Listen to this. Stick with me. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, he said, In the nur, 
when light comes into your heart, it enters the heart. The heart expands. The Sahaba were like, what does that mean? You know, we're like, oh, that's so beautiful. But some of us in this room, like, I didn't even get that. Like, can you, like, seriously, like, okay, it like, gets bigger, what? So the Sahaba were real. They kept it real. They were like, what is the sign? What happens within a person when these divine thoughts start to come and the heart starts to expand? He says, the Prophet Sallallahu said, Naam, yes, there are signs. First sign, they start to distance themselves from this abode of deception. The dunya is always telling you it's going to get a little better. Always promising you and letting you down. You got that degree. You thought walking across the stage, you was going to feel amazing. You walked across, got to the other side, was like, dang. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You got that dream job. You sat down in the chair, and you thought it was going to feel amazing. And you're like, I feel normal. I feel like yesterday, just another day. Then you got married. And she was amazing. <laughs> Right? And you had children. And they never bothered you at night, right? <laughs> I'm just joking. So the first, pro the first sign that light has come into your heart is this house abode of deception. And I, I say it all the time. Some people are too young to realize that everything this world promises you, it's not going to give you. But some of us have lived it, and you're sitting there nodding right now, like, yep, just live a few more years. You'll see what I'm saying. You'll get the dream job, you'll get the degree, you'll get the amazing wife, your husband, you'll get the money, and you'll still feel empty. And the dunya told you, if you just get here, you'll be good. And God's like, don't trust it, don't trust it, don't trust it, don't trust it. Darul ghurur, ghurur, deception. It's made to look good, it's supposed to look good. It wouldn't be a good test if it didn't look good. Second sign, second sign. And you start to want to focus on your eternal home. You start thinking more about like akhirah, heaven, hell. You start thinking more about your, your, your macro self. Macro self. Where, where am I going? And last but not least, you ready for number three? You start to prepare for death before it comes. Now that sounds morbid, but don't it don't. Write your eulogy right now, that's all. What do you want him to say about you? As we stand around your grave and look down at you, Aisha, Hamza, Yusuf, as we look down at your grave, what will we say about you? Write that eulogy and start living life. Living life according to your true identity, who you want to be. So what does he say? فَإِذَا خُطِرَ بِقَلْبِ الْعَبْدِ He goes, these are the thoughts that's going to come. He goes, when this thought comes to your heart, and the first thought should be, are y'all ready? Please listen. Because you may have to force yourself to think these thoughts to start the process. He goes, أَوَّلَ كُلِّ شَيْءِ The first thing that is, you're going to start thinking is, أَنِّي أَجِدُونِي I am so blessed with so many things. 
I have so many blessings. So many blessings. Start right there. Listen, start right there. Listen, the Prophet is laying in the bed with his beloved wife, warm. Y'all know how it is. If you ain't married, my bad. Hey, don't hate. <laughs> jelly, super jelly right now. He's all warm. Right, Umer? He's all warm. He gets out of the bed and goes to stand in prayer. That means make wudu in the cold and not eat it water. And she's like, what are you doing? Like my wife when I was running with y'all. What are you doing? <laughs> She's like, who runs for no reason? I was like, I don't know. Suburbs getting to me. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. If you grew up in the burbs, you don't even get what I'm saying, man. It's like, who runs for no reason, yo? Been in the burbs too long, yo. In the burbs too long. Anyways, stuff for a lot. Listen. I'm saying, I'm saying, so listen, no, like Aisha says, who does this? Why? Why are you getting out of the bed, getting out of that warmth next to me? Come lay back down. You got work tomorrow. You got stuff to do. And what does he say? Wait, wait, no, no. Shouldn't I be grateful? Shouldn't I show love and gratitude? Look what I have. I have you. I have this house. I have this bed. I have these Sahaba. I have this Quran. I have this way of life. I have this. I have that. I have this. I have sons. I have this. I have daughters. I have this. I have grandkids. I have this. I, I have. Keep going. What do you need? Do you need to become the king of a country, the queen of some land, in order to become grateful? Because if you're not grateful for what you have now, you could be the king of any land, queen of any land. You still won't be grateful. You already are a queen. You already are a king. All that's left is for you to show gratitude. That's all that remains. And if you are grateful, he'll give you more. So what does he say? The first thought, the thing that will start you on this journey is that you begin to say within yourself, how many blessings do I have? He says, Kel hayati, I'm alive. Qudra, I have ability. Aqal. I have a mind. Not like I can speak. I have so many faculties and pleasure. And how many things Allah has pushed away from me that are harmful. And then he says, now the logic, he goes, There must be a bestower of all these gifts. You see the logic. There must be a bestower of all these gifts who will ask me, who wants me to be grateful. If I don't do that, I'm going to lose these blessings. And on top of that, look what he's doing for us. He's telling us how to think and how to arrive at a place of gratitude and shukr. And you'll realize that when you stand up for maghrib, the thing that will cause love in your heart is your gratitude for the blessings that Allah has given you. So he's walking us through that. He says, and, and he also sent a prophet to us with miracles, showing us all types of miracles to prove his truthfulness. And this prophet told me, I have a Lord 
a Lord who is able to bless me if I obey and punish me if I don't. So then he goes forward, and what does he say? This is the first thought. It all begins here. And this is important for those of us like raising children, those of us with younger siblings who we want to be more religious. This is where you start. Look what you have, Ukhti. Look what you have, Akhi. Remind him of his blessings. And then say, wait, don't you think we should be grateful? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. He goes, this is the thought. This is deep right here. He goes, this is the thought that takes excuses away from everyone on the planet. Everyone in their mind thinks, look at these blessings. Somebody gave me these blessings. But then some people choose to ignore that. And some of us stand up to the call and say, I'm going to live a life of gratitude. That's the believer right there. Sees the blessings and says, you know what? I'm going to stand up and be grateful. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful. And gratitude leads to the ibadah. So what does he say next? He goes, um, he goes forward. He says, This is the first hurdle. We've arrived, y'all. This is the first hurdle. It's the hurdle of knowledge. For those taking notes, there you got it right there. The first hurdle is the hurdle of knowledge. The first hurdle is the hurdle of knowledge. He says that, He's like, you need to have knowledge so that when you worship God, you're, you know why you're doing it. Like, you don't get it. Like, if you don't start with knowledge and somebody sees you praying in the airport and they're like, why are you doing that? The core reason is, I'm showing gratitude to my Lord for everything he's blessed me with. I'm showing gratitude to Allah for every. He says, that's the, that's the beginning of everything. All your actions need to be based in knowledge. All your, why, everything I do in my life is about education of this deen. Because when, when people learn it, then you, you want to do what you got to do. That knowledge creates action. Once you get the knowledge, you'll realize, I have to do this. I have to. That's why the prophet didn't say, like, I should. He said, He goes, shouldn't I be? You get what I'm trying to say? He didn't say, oh, I want to be. He used the negative, like, shouldn't I be? Because it's so clear, because it's based off knowledge. So, so we all have to, and that's why we're here, mashallah. We need our actions to be based on knowledge. And the first knowledge that I'm talking about is knowledge of God. And not just knowledge of him, but his relationship to you. Not abstract knowledge, theological knowledge of God's an existence of an ultimate beginning of all things. Now, we ain't talking about that. We're talking about knowledge of God like your heart beating right now. Knowledge of God like when you look in the mirror and you're like, man, I look real good. My man in the back there, right? MashaAllah. Like you look in the mirror, that's God. That's Allah. Hassan khalqi hassan khuluqi. So he says, look what he says. He goes, this is beautiful, man. You will start to walk this journey out of necessity. 
Oh, man, you feel me? It's no longer should I. Sometimes you talk to like a, a young person or someone who's not connected. It's like, why should I pray? And you kind of like, why should you not pray? Because in you is knowledge of the blessings. In you is knowledge of the blessings. So you walk this path out of necessity based on the knowledge you have of the blessings that you've been given. Allahu Akbar. So you, you contemplate, you, you take time to contemplate and learn the blessings. And then you talk to ulama, you talk to scholars, scholars of the akhirah, scholars of the akhirah, the what's to come. These are the guides for us. May Allah allow us to be in the company of people who guide us to the akhirah. The leaders of the ummah. Oh, man. He goes, I'm going to try to speed up here a little bit. You want to gain. So time out, hold up. Imam Ghazali, as I told you, he's written books on every topic. He's written books on every topic. He's written books on kalam, theology, all of this. He has whole books just on proofs of God's existence. But here's the deal. Why am I not going to go into that? Imam Ghazali says, some people know God exists by looking out the door, looking out the window, looking at the sun, looking at the moon, traveling. They just know, like, God, of course, hello. And other people need those rational, intellectual proofs. And he goes, he's trying to tell you that whatever you need to get certainty that God exists, you need to do that. For some of us, it's watching a sunset, yo. <laughs> Who created this, man? By chance? Come on, that's absurd. By chance, so many people with unique DNA, genetic DNA, unique fingerprints, billions of us, by chance? That sounds absurd. What he's trying to say is, you need to gain certainty, yaqeen, down the street, right? You need to gain certainty by however you need to gain certainty. You need that, though, in your life. But the path to that is going to be different for different people. And I'm going to keep it real. Sometimes I get, like, these, like, juniors in high school that I, like, think they got, like, good arguments. They're like, well, if God exists, uh, the juniors looking at each other like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad. I don't mean to call you out. But it's just sometimes we think we're really intelligent, right? So it's like, oh, well, if God exists, then what's up with this and this and that? I'm like. Like, just chill. <laughs> just relax. Just for real. Just relax. Well, then why, is God, why does evil exist? It's like, just chill, yo. For real. Because our scholars have written on all of these topics of theodicy. All of these things have been written in such detail. But I will say this between me and y'all. One of the problems is our Sunday schools keeps teaching the five pillars over and over again. <laughs> Dudes in like AP calculus doing the five pillars still. <laughs> oh, we can't go too deep. AP Calc, yo, AP Physics. But Islamic Studies, five pillars. So that's why, Qalam Institute, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> admissions is closed, by the way, for this year. Uh, but no, you have to study. You have to learn. You have to yeah, become humble and learn, and you will find the answers. They're, you're not the first on this path. So what is he telling us right now? This is beautiful. He's like, you got to get to the point where you know there's a God that blessed you. 
He created you and he blessed you with so many blessings. There's more though. But he obliged upon you gratitude. Gratitude. These blessings ain't free, y'all. But ain't that expensive. It's gratitude. It's gratefulness. Allah. And he told us to serve him. Told us to serve him. He goes, and he warned those who are ungrateful or those who disobey. Once you have that knowledge, this knowledge, he says, it will force you to tashmir li khidma. Roll up your sleeves. I love it. I love it. So in Arabic, tashmir, shamar yushamir, means to like roll up a sleeve. And y'all know you're about to do something. <laughs> you roll up the sleeves. That's a sign. I'm about to do some work. I roll up my sleeves. He says the thought of God's blessings and the fact that all he wants is gratitude, it causes you, these are his words, to roll up your sleeves and get to work. So whenever you, so, 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 all right, Mikael, I need it spelled out. Here you go. Whenever you find yourself slacking, you got to just look at the blessings, yo. You, isha tonight, Isha tonight gets hard. You're like, man, I'm tired. I ain't got wudu. <laughs> tired. You just got to be like, yo, what blessings? Blessings, 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 blessings. That alone will generate that desire for you to stand up and be grateful. Then what does he say? Well, See, it will cause you to go towards worship. Allahu Akbar. For this great master king who blessed you. The one who you know after not knowing. Man, what is it like to know God after being lost? Allahu Akbar. But here's the problem. Now you have love. I, I need y'all to pause, yo. Okay? You with me? We're almost done, yo. We're almost done. Listen. Imagine... Y'all all grew up Muslim, so you was like four years old, like, la, 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 right? But imagine, imagine you didn't have that, right? I feel you, Habibi, I'm with you. So you start to love God. You start to know God. You, your heart automatically comes like, I need to be grateful. But now you don't know how. Do you know how, how that feels to not know how to worship? Coming up with your own, like, woke ways of being spiritual? That's all that's happening right now these woke spirituality things, it's people that have come to this conclusion but don't want to follow, haven't been able to follow through to know how to worship God. It throws you off. I'm watching people in my family who have reached a point where they know God exists, but they don't know how to worship him. They don't know what to do. But their heart knows, and you know it. You have it. By the blessing of being in the ummah of Muhammad, sallam. He goes, he goes, But you just don't know how to worship now. You don't know what to do. You don't know what you get for worshiping. I don't know what happens if I do worship or what, I, what happens if I don't worship. I don't know. After you know God, now there's another level of knowledge, which is I need to learn what God wants from me. And low-key, there's a lot of us who are raised Muslims who still don't know what God wants from us. So we got to study, yo. We got to learn. 
All you got to learn is the basic of what you need to do, and that's outward and inward. And that brings us to the second hurdle for next week. No? Next hurdle for next week, inshallah, yo. So, so hold up, yo. He just went through one. He just introduced hurdle one. He didn't even start talking about hurdle one. So there's a lot more, mashallah. It's, it's beautiful. I don't want anyone leaving, uh, you know, feeling, feeling like this is too hard. So I want to share a hadith with you. You know, this is a beautiful narration. Y'all ready? Listen to this. And Abi Huraira radiallahu an. Abu Huraira says that the Prophet Sallallahu he said, Man Allaha fi nafsihi, fi nafsihi. Whoever remembers Allah within themselves. Ya Allah, you've given me so much. Ya Allah, I love you. Ya Allah, thank you for letting me hear these words today. I needed that, Ya Allah. Like in yourself, you don't say it to nobody. Dhakar Allah, Allah remembers you. Whoever remembers Allah in the gathering, you in the car back, you're like, Allah is so great to your girlfriend, your friend, whatever. You know what I mean? You're like, bro, Allah has blessed us. You remember Allah in a gathering. The Prophet said, Allah remembers you in a gathering. Better than your gathering. That's the words of the hadith. Whoever comes closer to Allah, just a hand span, Allah comes closer this much. It's like, just, just do a little. And then the hadith says, وَمَنْ أَتَاهُ yamshi." Whoever comes walking to Allah, أَتَاهُ harwalatan. Allah comes running towards you. You know the airport, long, someone you haven't seen in a long time. You get there, you see each other. If you got little kids, my little dudes, I walk in the door, yeah, daddy. Allah's like, if you come to me, I run towards you. So this, the journey is hard. But we've been given a way to walk the journey. Just stay on it and keep moving. And know that every struggle you make, Allah loves it and it's appreciated by God. So the first hurdle is knowledge. Knowledge will cause us to desire to be grateful because of our love. And that desire of gratitude will instill in you the desire to worship God. May Allah bless us, inshallah ta'ala. Um, I'm excited, as y'all can tell, about studying this with us, inshallah, with everyone, inshallah. May Allah accept from us, inshallah ta'ala. Um, may Allah allow us to stay in good company. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to meet like this in the highest abodes of Jannah, inshallah ta'ala. Aqulu qali hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum wa risa'ilil muslimin fa astaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafoor al-raheem. What time is Margaret?